You're listening to Drinking on the Job, D-O-T-J. I'm your host, John Coyle. Drinking on the Job is a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented. We'll be talking with winemakers, musicians, artists, late-night bartenders, scoundrels, and more. It's time to grab a glass before its last call. I love Yola Mezcal. I've said it too many times on the podcast. Well, today, special guest Carolyn Gill is here, the ambassador to Yola, to tell us the secret and why this is such a special, magical mezcal. Take a listen. So, as you know, I've talked about Mezcal, particularly Yola, for a very long time. I was fortunate enough to run to Carolyn, uh, as the ambassador who's been there, who knows all the secrets. But before we jump into my favorite beverage, uh, I just uh, want to say hello and thank you for being on. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, how do you end up at Yola? Give us like the beginning and your how do you got, how you got into spirits. Yeah. Um, that whole kind of and your and your origin. You're Mexican. Yes, yeah. um, I was born and raised in um, New York City, mm-hmm. but um, my parents uh, were born and raised in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. Um, they both moved here. My dad moved here a little before mom, but um, they were both here by like 1920. Um, and we would we were raised entirely like Mexican culture. It was not like American in New York City. In New York City. Um, so most of our like traditions and like things we do, like food we were eating, it was always very Mexican. Um, we started, uh, my entire family's in the industry. My dad, my oh, mom, wow. both what, of my brothers, they um, they're all over. Uh, one of my brothers is a partner and bartender over at a little branch, uh, now called LB. Oh yeah. Okay. And LB 33 on 33rd right. street. Right. Uh, the other one, um, is, uh, head bartender at another bar in New York City. Um, my wow. dad is like the day manager at my brother's bar. My mom is also um, part manager there. It's like everywhere. <laughs> so, so, no doubt good Yola customers. Yeah. <laughs> Got to be. Got to be. Yeah. So, so growing up in New York City, uh, so you growing up during the 80s? Uh, 90s, I'm 90s, a 90s girl. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say late 80s. Um, it's funny. I had a, I have a very good friend, uh, Louis Caballero. And he says, "What's crazy? He goes, um, it, the Latins in New York City, like everyone just assumes everyone's Puerto Rican. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like in, in the West Coast, everyone's Mexican, and the East Coast, everybody's Puerto Rican. Yep. Right. I'm sure you you had that. So, what was it like growing up in New York in the in the, in the 90s? And um, you know, how did in, you end up, you know, finding your way to the magical spirit? So, um. I like I don't remember much to be honest. Yeah. Um, but for a big family, like our families were always on the same building. Um, and uh, I'm from Bushwick, right. so we lived in Bushwick until like I want to say like maybe ninety five, ninety six. That's when Bushwick was Bushwick. Yeah, like real Bushwick. <laughs> bang, not, bang, now, Bushwick. Bang. Yes, yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> None of this fucking uh, uh, you know Ioli uh, stores. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, when okay. Bushwick was yeah. Bushwick. Um, yeah, so we were there until like '96, probably. Mm-hmm. I'm not completely sure. Uh, we moved around a lot. Um, I mean, it was great. I feel like it, like living and growing up in New York gives you some sense of like, um, like you got to be a little tough, like, mm-hmm. and you, you have to like mature a little faster. 
um, as a woman in my head and uh, also growing up and like my dad started working in milk and honey. So uh, I was the famous cocktail bar. Yes. I was quickly um, brought into um, into the team as well as my brothers and my mom. So it got to a point where I was around all of these people that were at least 10 years older than I was. So, so how, how old were you when you started doing this? Uh, I was 14. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I started by, um, I was just a porter, so I was just the one cleaning the bar. Uh, and a few, like probably a year later, I became a bar back. Um, and I was quickly like trained to host, but then I moved to Texas. So like I didn't really fin- like work at, Milk and honey, like a on the front. Right. I love front your part. hustle. How do you end up in Texas? Um, I was working for Weather Up. Uh, oh, there's the a bar called bar, Weather. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. So they had op- they have two bars here, and they had open a Weather Up in Austin. And I just kind of wanted to get out of my shell and like experience things and just like make a name for myself, essentially. Yeah. Um. So I moved to Texas and I started school, but. I quickly realized that I did not want to do that, and I wanted to be in this industry. Yeah. So how did that New York attitude play down in Texas? Oh, my God. A, a, a beautiful Mexican woman with a New York attitude in Texas. How's that roll? <laughs> they like they thought I was so rude. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to Texas, but I mean, I, I feel like a little less now, but I moved there in 2012, right. and it was not... It had not like blown up yet. It was not like what it is now. What part of Texas was it? I was in Austin. Oh well, yeah. That's kind of like the little New York of Texas, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, really? pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, but like very cool town. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. Um, but people like will walk by you and just say hello. Like you don't know that person. You've right. never like seen them in your life, and they'll say hello to me. And I was just like, why are you looking at me? Why are you talking to me? <laughs> I wouldn't say anything. I was just like, I'm right. not gonna respond. Right. And of course, it was like this, like, who are you? Like, yeah. why are you not saying hello to people? Um, but I quickly, like, picked up the... Well, so you create a little mystery, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Don't be an open book. It pays. Yeah, right? true. So yeah. you go there with a, a job in mind, or you're like, I'm just going to get into the industry? Yeah, I had been training prior to moving there um, at the Weather Ups in New York okay. uh, as a bartender. Um, so I finally um, moved there, and I started bartending there. Um I was there for about um, a year, perhaps. Yeah. Um, and then I went on to work over at Firehouse Hostel and Lounge, um, which I absolutely loved and made me grow up a lot because it was a it was also cocktails, but it was more fast paced and volume, like no ter- no yeah. table service. It was all about volume, but you're still putting a good cocktail in front of them. Which is hard to do. I was just at a, a, a sushi place that just opened a cocktail uh, joint, and it was, um, I shouldn't call it a joint, there's six bar seats and two tables. And the the mixologist, I ordered a, uh, a mezcal, and they didn't have mezcal. They had what's close to it. Uh, uh, it wasn't tequila. Bacanota? Yes. Okay. And... He, so he said, I could do this on the rocks and with salt. I said, great, perfect. He comes by, and they had uh, liquid nitrogen. And I uh, 
shook it up, threw the liquid nitrogen on the floor, it, it explodes into a smoke bomb, pours my cocktail. And it was like, and I'm thinking to myself, first, the cocktail's $27. Second, there's no way you could get drunk here. It took 25 minutes for him to put this thing together. <laughs> I was just like, wow. Yeah, wow. in 25 minutes, I finished my cocktail already. <laughs> but to be in a busy place that's doing volume to still create a, a a beautiful cocktail that's balanced and has acidity and, and is just the way it's supposed to be, that's a really difficult thing to do. Yeah, it is for sure. Um, and this place was like no table service. So it was, Belly everything up. was bar service. Yeah. So you're five deep and you, you don't get help from anyone. Like the bartenders that you are there with, they're on their own, kind of like yeah. everyone has their own like little group of people there. Right. So um, you have a following, right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it gets to the point where you like have your own regulars come in and everything. Um, but bar, I was, tip, bar tip for those people listening: What would you say? Oh, you want you want good service at a at a at a bustling bar? What do you do? Be patient. Yeah. Be patient. Be nice and be patient. Yeah. I was tip heavy. I was tip heavy on the yeah. first round in particular, like and, way and that over. Doesn't and, come unnoticed. Yeah, yeah. And, and but and be cool about it. You yeah, know, like just like oh, thank you. And then next time you come in, they're like, oh, I'll take yeah, care of this exactly. person. Exactly. Yes. And be nice. Yep. You're, you're totally right. Yeah. Uh, um, so so, yeah. so you're doing that. What was the craziest experience happened to you behind the bar? Um. Wow. We could go Texas or career. You pick the category. Uh, let's. I'm not even sure. I like. I guess I like. Most of them were so crazy that I decided to like remove them from my memory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's because uh, I've I've had thrown people out of a bar for, yeah, doing lines of cocaine off the bar. Oh, uh, I, I did that. Yeah, I did that at um, Little Branch. It was my um, my first shift. And I was serving, and it was 7 p.m. It was our first group of guests, and I went to the back to drop off the cocktails, um, and they had moved their seats. They moved from, like, a – like, the, the booth was, like, all the way in the back, but not the one all the way right. um, hidden. And they moved themselves. And, like, usually that's, like – kind of like frowned upon like you don't move yourself you just wait for someone to move you right and then when i get there to get their order they had their hands like kind of like on the on the table kind of like covering trying to hiding right. some trying to hide something and when i went back to get the cocktails and i had this way i didn't know how to like deal with that situation i had right. never dealt with that before right. so I just went back to the person that was working there and I was like, I'm pretty sure they're doing lines of cocaine at the table. Like, do you want me to do this? Or I think you'll be better at handling it. See, in New York, the manager goes, are they sharing? (laughs) 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 Is it the good one? (laughs) Is it the good coke? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah. Yeah. Cause I, you know, I'm going to do an episode and I'll let you rack your brain. Come back on my next episode. I'm going to do a, um, an episode just called Dirty Bar Stories. And it's just going to be, I'm going to get some old bartenders to tell the gnarliest, craziest fucking stories because New York is full of them. So it is. Yeah. Yeah. I'll definitely like start writing down my stories for sure. <laughs> and, and you'll come back on. So then you're in Texas and you're bartending and, and you've, do you start to fall in love with spirits in general or, uh, like myself, like I never really drank a lot of cocktails, but a little bit of tequila and mezcal. Just I just had this uh, awakening, for yeah. lack of a better word. Um, did you fall in love with one spirit, or you just love the the whole 
the idea of being in the bar and making cocktails? Um, I I feel like because I grew up in like these like very beautiful like decadent bars that are very like usually like speakeasy style. Right. I, that's what I was always like. Um, I wanted to be around. Right. Um, so I was mostly like I fell in love more with like the whole idea of cocktails and bartending and like making a cocktail look beautiful and like not necessarily extravagant, just beautiful and simple. Right. Um, so that's when I like like I got that from all the prior bars that I worked at. And then at Firehouse, it was more like you got to do the same, but you got to do it way faster. <laughs> like you got to be doing like a drink a minute kind of thing. So that place taught me a lot, um, for sure. And you were making some bank. And Bartenders I was making some bank. bank. When you get yes. a volume like that, you're making bank. <laughs> yep, at, it was Those it 17 was to $25 cocktails you're slinging yeah. across the bar. Yeah, well, back when they were like 11 12 Yeah, now. Still. In, in New York, I would say the average cocktail, $17 right now. Yes, for sure. And go as high as, yeah. Yeah, I've, I feel like I've seen them up to like 27 28 yeah. depending on where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so how does uh, Yola, how, well, yeah, f- give me the road to Yola, Mezcal. So I um, I always drank a lot of tequila and Mezcal, of course, from like just being Mexican and liking those flavors. Um, I, after I left Texas, I was just traveling for about two and a half years, almost three years. Um, and one of the trips that I did, I went to Oaxaca. I was there for about two weeks. And I just immersed myself in, like, that culture and, like, going to the palenques because it's so easy to just get on a road, start walking, and go to every single palenque you want. Explain what a palenque is for people who are listening. Uh, Palenque is is the farm where the mezcal is being made. Um, Like, most palenques will have, like, there's all of their plants are planted there, and they harvest everything there. Um, others will sometimes have another space somewhere else or buying from different states or different uh, farms. But uh, yeah, it's essentially like the distillery. Right. Yeah. So you're traveling around Mexico is then you start to realize, oh my God, this yeah. is so beautiful. Right? Yeah, it's a pretty interesting um, spirit and just the way it's made, it's like, you don't realize it's made in such a dirty way kind of. Yeah. <laughs> but then it becomes this delicious spirit um, and it's so dirty easy. in that it's, it's a hole dug in the ground yes, and, exactly. a, and the yeah. pinon is roasted in it on yes. fire and yeah. um, I say that it's just uh, what I love about mezcal people throw the word craft around all the time this is a craft spirit this is a craft whiskey it's a craft this or it's a small artisanal wine whatever like mezcal is crafted yes to your point there's a hole in the ground yeah. light a fire and then there's specifics of you know the stone that they use or the wheel they use or how they crush and uh, how much fire? What would they use for the fire? How long they take? And yeah. like the and underground in the pit underground. So yeah, it's like all of those things matter a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so after spending a lot of time in Oaxaca, and um, eventually I went down to Guatemala, where one of my friends owns a, a little bar, and uh, inside the bar there's a little room where they only serve mezcal, Fair and nice. they were serving mezcal. There was a two shot minimum and beers. That's it. So I was just working there for three to four months. um, And that just like made me want to keep doing it. Right. Um, So after like jumping around for a little bit, I finally moved back to New York 
and at Dutch Kill's 10-year anniversary party, um, one of my friends, um, we were, it was open bar, everyone's there. Um, I ordered a drink and I ordered a Yola on the rocks with an orange wedge. And the brand ambassador at the time heard me. She was like, you like Yola? I was like, yeah, I'm Mexican. I like mezcal. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. Right. And um, she was like, we need to have lunch. Like, let's have lunch this week. And we ended up like meeting up a week after, had lunch. And she was essentially like, I'm leaving and I think you would be a great fit. Um, and let's let's talk about this. Let's see if it's something you want to do. And I wasn't necessarily looking for me to go into a brand right. right away, but it worked out and learning more about the brand itself made me want to work for them. Um, so yeah, and from there, three years later, I'm still here. <laughs> okay. So we're going to drink a little uh, yellow mezcal. And then you brought me something special. Yes. Which I have here. Perfect. Explain what this is, and then we're going to, then we'll... We'll drink the Yola after. Yeah, yeah. and, and we'll, uh, we'll um, talk about why Yola is so special. Yeah. What was the hook for you? But So what am I drinking here? So that's a Havali. Okay. Um, I brought that from Mexico, um, my favorite mezcal bar, and also a cocktail bar in uh, Oaxaca. Uh, it's called Mezcalogia. Mm-hmm. Awesome spot, great cocktails, and they have a huge selection of mezcals, but they also make their own mezcal. Ah, um, so this one, it's you cannot find it in the states yet, um, and I doubt you'll ever ever be able to. Yeah. Kind of hope. It's super herbaceous. Never... It does yeah. not a lot of smoke on this at all. No. It's just. It's pretty subtle. Very nice. Wow, and um, you can drink some of your mezcal. Yeah, although I'll you've been some. drinking it. So. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you have to. It's right there. Why wouldn't I? Mm. Wow. Yeah. Wow, this almost feels like it's got. Um, like peach or residual sugar coming. It's not sweet. It's but not. The fruit, the tone of the fruit is so high. Yep. Wow, that's good. Yeah. People that's say really it good. smells like cocaine, does it? <laughs> Let me smell that again. <laughs> okay. I <clears throat> like to say I don't have a point of reference, but <laughs> I could see that. I could see that. And you also brought me some uh uh, some salt. Some salt with the yes. ants and grasshoppers have been so ground. And- every time um, someone in my family goes to Mexico, um, usually my dad. My dad goes way more often than any of us do. But um, we bring all these salts and the grasshoppers, like grasshoppers just to munch on. But then you have the salts, the artisanal salts. And this one is one of my favorites. It's um, chicatana, which only comes out um like during rainy season. And um, I want to say it's only in Oaxaca, not Mexico City, only in right. Oaxaca and Brazil. It's an ant. Which I right. like learned right. about this not so long ago. Yeah, and it's an ant. It looks like a beetle. Okay. Like it's entirely black. Um, so it's roasted and then uh, seasoned, uh, grinded, and then added to the salt. And the same for the grasshoppers. So this one is chicatana, uh, the chapulines, uh, garlic and salt, and I'm sure there's some sort of thing in there that they're not disclosing that it's delicious. <laughs> I'm going to have it as soon as I leave here. Yeah, it's I would put great. like an orange yep. wedge and, and on have a drink. A little bit of mezcal. Okay, and you're good. Done. There's yeah. the there's the secret of the day. So, what? Give us why 
uh, mezcal. Give us the history of uh, being an old recipe, female-owned, female uh, uh, employed at the, at the distillery, the importance of that, and and also just what, what makes this so special, the Yola. Yeah. So um, Yola is the name of the of Yolanda Jimenez is her mm-hmm. name. Uh, she inherited the land from her grandfather, Luis okay. Jimenez. Um, that was like around 2007. Um, he acquired the land in the 60s and put together this recipe with the master distiller at the time, who was Javier Bautista. And this was done in 1971. That's when they put together this recipe. Um, the recipe being 90% espadine, 10% madre cuiche. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward, Yola is um, has the it's still she's the owner now of the land. Uh, she and some friends opened this little bar in Mexico City called La Candelaria. Mm-hmm. And that's when she met Gina Carell and Licky Lee, who are her um, her partners. So they were the three that started this company. So you have these three strong female entrepreneurs, and they are like, okay, so we're going to take this recipe, but we want to empower women also. Yeah, so that was um, uh, Yola said, like mostly grew up in, um, in the Palenque and in Mexico, and uh, she wanted to make sure that when she brought this um, this brand that she was empowering women economically and like in every other way. Because many times in like this industry and specifically in Mexico, the man is the breadwinner. Right. So it's like if there is a master distiller, the master distiller will get paid and then he divides all the money throughout the all the employees. And she decided she didn't want to be doing that. She wanted to pay directly to every single person. Um, the entire Palenque, the bottling facility is all women. And they do their own schedule, like their moms and daughters and everything. So, of course, she wanted to make sure that she was taking care of everyone. Nobody feels like I cannot do this because I have a child and I cannot. So they have a schedule that they can work around so they yes. can still uh, make a living. And <clears throat> Correct. That is such a... Um, so, yeah, um, she's big on sustainability as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Madre it's like it takes a little longer to be able to uh, harvest, usually up to 18 years. Yeah, wow, yeah. Um, and espadine, we wait until the very last moment, um, as well as Madre Crescia, of course, um, until the quiote is coming out, and then it's chopped off and harvested, which is when the sugar content is going to be at its highest. And and it has the signature smoke, but it's a lot more delicate. There's a delicate note to Yola. I've So I was on my journey, and somebody put some Yola in front of me, and I, I just stopped. And I went, wow, there's just something different going on here. Yeah. It's the citrus. It's the fruit. It's not just the smoke. There's a, almost a mineral component. It's just, a, um, it's just such a beautiful mezcal. I think that comes from, like, every step of the way that um, – that it happens like every step of the process uh the cooking goes for about 24 hours longer than the typical palenque will do it mm-hmm. um the fermentation is up to six days usually it's only done for three days um and um after the cooking process and its distillation double distillation it is rested in glass containers mm-hmm. for two to four weeks depending on the weather so no oak or 
and things yeah. like that. So, so a longer temperature, longer fermentation. You seem like you're extracting a lot more flavors, yes, but de- in a delicate way because the slow, slower yeah. process. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a it's a pretty spectacular. So. Uh, w- what is the long-term objective? I mean, is there other stuff that she wants to work on? Or uh, will Yola just continue to try to increase? I mean, you can't increase that much. Um, well, like, having in mind that, like, she wants to, of course, we always want to, like, grow. But always with keeping traditions of mezcal and making sure that we're not pushing the land too much. Um, it's, it's hard, particularly when you see this kind of uh, cultural appropriation of, you know, People with large sums of money, whether it be you know Brian Cranston or the Kardashians or whoever, <laughs> Ken, General Kenner, uh, um, coming down and and trying to do their own brand, yeah. and uh, rightfully so, getting a certain amount of pushback and bullshit because uh, they deserve. But that's what you're fighting against because there's only some. Uh, so much agave and and, yeah. and espadine uh, mm-hmm. to go around, and somebody comes with a big checkbook. How do you? Uh, is it landmark? Can you? I mean, there's nothing we can do about that, right? But put out a good product and make sure that we pe- that we make sure that people know what we are serving and we're taking care of everyone in the blanket. Like Yola has a sort of partnership with everyone there. It's not like necessarily full on employees. Mm-hmm. Like she makes sure that everyone is taken care of. She now she just um, she's in the middle of renovations for the blanket for um, for everyone to have a like common area and also a childcare area and all of those things, small things that help and that will make everyone happy and therefore product will will keep yeah, coming. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, my mom used to say when she would cook, she says, and I, and this was made with love. Yeah. And uh, it makes a difference. And, it, and I think uh, it would be wrong to think that doesn't contribute to the success of this brand. Um, yeah. I think people feel it when they taste it. And there's just something special. I always say there's something spiritual in my videos I do about mezcal. Yeah. There's something very spiritual uh, about the mezcal and the buzz you get. It's just, yeah. it's, it, it's uplifting. Well, we also... Um, I forgot to mention this, but um, we have... So Javier Bautista was the master distiller for many years. Right. And his daughter grew up in this, like, around all of this. So now it's his daughter that has taken over all the master distilling process and duties. So that, like, I had never heard of any brand having a female master distiller, which is huge, in an industry where men usually take over they dominate yeah yeah so that's it's pretty cool another feather in the cap yeah Yeah, that's that's awesome so how much traveling do you do are you new york east coast centric or i'm new york based um i essentially travel wherever they want me to travel (laughs) what's your biggest market uh new york new york so we started in california um but new york was next right after um so right now we're in california new york uh, Massachusetts, Connecticut, um, New Jersey, Colorado. Um, I don't think we're all over Tennessee. I believe we're only in Nashville at the moment. I've been to Nashville a few times for work. 
you have a great website that lists all the states that yes, you're in we also, do. which is yes. very cool. Yeah, very helpful. Um, T. Edward does a bang-up job in New York City. It's in some we of the top bars. We absolutely love them. Yeah, it's a, it's a great company. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, they do a great job. And, every, and, and it's because the, pro, the product is so good. It's yeah. just the, It stands above a lot of stuff in the market, and, and that's why it's in the best places in New York City. Yeah. Um, well, uh, we're at the part of the show where – uh, you know, you you have a dream, and God talks to you, and and says, um, "Thank you for being part of this amazing brand. I love Mezcal too. It it actually lifts me up, even though I'm up in heaven. And I want you to come see me. I'm going to give you a gift. You have one day left on the planet, so please have a great meal, a great drink, and a, and listen to some great music. So, what would be your last meal? Uh, my mom's green enchiladas. Okay, they're pretty awesome. She okay. makes them for me when I was traveling, and she knew that I was coming home. Um, she would make them for me and have them ready as soon as I got in. Okay. She knows how much I like them. So my mom's green enchiladas for what sure. What are you drinking? Mezcal for sure. Okay. Yep. Um, Neat? Rocks? I I tend to prefer it on the rocks, but it, lately I've been drinking it more neat okay. um, with a few oranges. Yeah. And what are you listening to? Jazz. Okay. I love jazz. Any particular piece you want to listen to? Um, no, I feel like I, I just, like in general, I love going into a jazz club and just sitting down, even if I'm by myself, just having a glass of wine or a drink or something and listening to music. Um, my favorite instrument is a saxophone. Not sure why. I just. Okay. It's just a little bird. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Great. And we're, you're not going to get out of here without naming at least one or two of your favorite Mexican restaurants to eat in New York City. Oh, my God. Uh, okay. I'm going to give you, like, so many. <laughs> Pick two. Well, there's a lot. I agree. Yeah. Not as many as in, in California. California's got more. True. Um, I really like uh, the chilaquiles at Atla. Oh, Those yes. Those are delicious. On Lafayette? Really yeah. good. Yeah. Really good. Okay. Um. And I think I would go for like the duck. Um, they have like a duck platter uh, at Cosme. I knew you were going to say Cosme. <laughs> I like it, and I yeah. like never think of this, but it's like it's. I've been thinking a lot of that specific yeah. entree that I'm like maybe I need to go back there. <laughs> well, well, cool, Carolyn. I want to say thank you for being on. Uh, DOTJ podcast um, is a pleasure to finally have you know Yola on the show um, let's keep sipping and yes. uh, thanks for being on thank you so much for having me yeah. cheers thanks again for listening don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com until then I'll see you at the bar <laughs> <laughs>